0: Welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And today we're talking about the board game Scythe, the learning app imprint, and we're also going to give a little update on some recent works in progress and recently completed writing projects.
1: Yes, a little bit of a hodge today. Yeah. But I like it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) so you played this board game recently i've heard of this but i have not played it yet so tell us all about this game it sounds really cool
1: yes so i had a little board game night with my friends again Mm -hmm. and we played scythe this is a game from Stonemeyer games who also did wingspan which i love oh yeah and it came out in 2016 it is set in an alternate 1920s Europe area, Europe Russo area. And it's got a lot of like economic stuff, but also diesel punk because basically the center of the board, you've got a map board with hexes on it. And the center of the board is the factory. And Each player is a different faction competing for this factory resource. So the technology from this factory has allowed people to produce giant mechs to help in war and conquering and stuff like that. So that part of that aspect of the game really appealed to me
0: because I like giant mechs. (laughs) Can you explain? I know what a giant mech is. Can you explain to our audience who might not know what a giant mech is?
1: It's it's just a big
0: machine.
1: Well, like, there are different kinds. So Pacific Rim, those giant mechs, people get inside and they control them and they look like giant robots and they can fight each other. Mm-hmm. They're more like transports. Mm. And you get little pieces to put on the board, which I, I like. I love a lot of. I love a good game with a lot of little components to it. <laughs> but the mechs in the game, they can transport your workers to different hexes and different, and different things like that. So it's basically just a giant transport machine okay. that can also do combat. So if you get on a, a hex with another mech, a per, another person's mech, they can do combat and stuff like that so basically each person has a faction i chose like a nordic faction they have slightly different names and i'm not not going to be able to remember them right now but (laughs) (laughs) they're sort of lightly based on different areas so there's like one that's kind of polish and one that's kind of germanic and one that's kind of oh. You know what? They are on Wikipedia, so I will tell you the factions are Polania, <laughs> <Pulemia>, Rusvia, <laughs> Saxony, Crimea, and Nordic. Okay. So I played the Nordic one. And mm-hmm. each faction has slightly different abilities. Mine was like my workers can cross rivers, uh, which is good if you want to move your workers around to different hexes. Mm-hmm. And me to try to make this succinct, <laughs> I'm always kind of bad <laughs> at, at talking about games because there's so much that goes into them, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but they're very fun. Each faction also comes with like a little explorer person, mm-hmm. and each explorer person has an animal companion, which I loved.
0: Oh,
1: cute! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so cute. So, I think Matt played Polania, which comes with a bear. And mm-hmm. Chelsea played Crimea, which comes with a, a an eagle. Mm-hmm. And mine came with a musk ox named Mox. Ah! <laughs> oh. Cute. And my little guy was like riding his musk ox. <laughs> and that player starts on your home base, but it can they can explore as well. And mm-hmm. they have a special ability as they're moving across the the board, there are like little encounter tokens, so if they hit on a hex with an encounter token, you can pick up a special card and and it it gives you like three different choices: you can you know exchange two lumber for five steel or something, and mm. you treated your workers well, so you get extra food or whatever. <laughs> So each encounter card gives you gives you something good, but you have to pick like one of three. Mm-hmm. So basically you are moving around this board and you want to accrue achievement points or stars. Mm-hmm. And the first person to six stars wins. And you can get stars by doing different things. One is you have All four mechs out on the board. And that's one of the ones that I got. (laughs) I was like gonna focus on my mechs. (laughs) One is you have all your all eight workers out on the board. One is your you've hit the top popularity score. One is you've hit the top power score. So there are like I think there are like ten or twelve different ways you can accrue these points. Mm But you're sort of racing to get to to be the first one to get six. Okay. And the main play of the game is on your turn, you've got this little mat and the mat is uh, split into four quarters, and there's a top action and a bottom action. Uh-huh. So you pick your top action and that can be you bolster your power. And everything has a cost, but you can sort of take those costs down sometimes depending on um, actions you take. So the first action is you you could bolster your power. You could produce resources. And in order to produce resources, you have to have workers on the board. And each hex has a different resource. So if you have a worker on... A food resource they would produce food and there's lumber oil and steel and then you could move so you can move two of your people including a worker or your explorer dude up to one hex and that will set you up later like if you're moving your worker from a food hex to a a steel hex that could set you up later for harvesting steel you don't harvest steel but you know what i'm talking about uh <laughs> or I don't, how do you wait yeah. how do you get steel
0: uh so each hex no i mean in real life oh what do you do you don't harvest it when, no it's well, an out all- yeah it's like an it's an
1: alloy so you have to mine the mine the ore okay metal ore and then my dad would be so disappointed with me because he worked in steel for a long time. <laughs> but it's,
0: it's an alloy of two different things, right? I don't know. Okay. Also, by, he- by, by hex, you just mean the hexagonal like spaces on the board, right? I just want to clarify that. Yes. Okay.
1: Steel is iron and carbon. Okay, thank you. <laughs> BTW, Yeah, so each... <laughs>
0: I took science, too, so I feel bad about myself. I know. I feel feel really (laughs) dumb right now. (laughs) No, sorry. Sorry, Dad.
1: (laughs) Okay. So each each hex is a different environment. So if it's a field, Mm -hmm. it'll produce crops. If it's mountains, it produces – I think the steel might actually just be metal or – I don't know – but it gives you like little blocks of of metal. <laughs> <Okay>. and then <laughs> I can't remember what produces oil, and then a forest produces wood. And then there are other hexes like lakes and the factory, which is a special special hex. So you're you have to accumulate resources in order to do things on the bottom half of your mat of your action mm-hmm. Uh And the last top action is you can trade. So you can pay coins to, to trade for resources. Mm-hmm. And as you build up your economy, you could do these things better. Like you could trade for more or you can produce more power and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So your top actions each have a bottom action. Mm-hmm. And when you pick a top action, the only bottom action you can do is the one that's connected to that top action. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. You don't have to do the bottom action. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, especially at the beginning, you can't because you don't have enough resources and stuff. Okay. But you can't, like, jump around the board and do the move action and then do a different a bottom action that's from the trade action and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the bottom actions, you can upgrade... Uh, an upgrade you'll pay oil but upgrade lets you use fewer resources in the future basically mm. you can deploy a mech and that takes steel you can build so there are like i think there are four or five little structures you can build i think that's four actually the mine the mill a landmark And something else that I'm forgetting. But uh, (laughs) an armory. Mm -hmm. And those will give you more points and stuff. And then the last bottom action you can do is enlist. And you pay food and you can enlist a a worker into your army, basically. Mm. So the other limitation, which I think is really neat, is you can't do the same top action on consecutive turns so you can't keep moving your people around you can't keep producing food and stuff mm. you have to bounce around between different actions so okay. that kind of made it interesting and you have to be strategic the first <laughs> the first like 10 turns it was us like trying to produce things and put workers out and move people around so we can accumulate enough resources for the bottom actions mm-hmm. uh-huh. so we can put out the mechs and stuff. Uh-huh. And each person has a slightly different mat, action mat, which also made it interesting because like for me it cost me like a little bit less to deploy a mech or something like that. Uh-huh. So that's what I was focused on and then the other people they had different costs for things. So it mm-hmm. it behooves you to be strategic and figure out like okay, what is the thing? What's the action that only takes like two resources and like how can I pump that out really fast and mm-hmm. get myself on the achievement track that way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. I came in second place i was i was actually really upset because we spent the not really upset but we spent the entirety of the game like not interacting with each other on the board um Uh we're just sort of like really focused because there's a combat aspect as well oh okay but i think a lot of us were like i'm not very combat minded yeah especially if if it's like versus a live player,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like it's different if it's against a i or something like that, mm-hmm. or like in d and d when we're fighting a monster, yeah, <laughs> so we were all like in our own little corners, but one of the ways you can achieve a star is by winning at combat. Mm-hmm. so Matt was like really close to winning and he chose to engage me and i was like no we haven't fought this whole game matt <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out so yeah combat is a thing that you can do if that you can engage in if you would like to mm-hmm. because you're competing to to try to get the this factory resource yeah. and stuff like that so yeah it's a, it's a combination of war game and economics and you got to be strategic in how you deploy things. And yeah, it was really, it was really interesting. It was really fun. Cool. And I, I like to play it again. Cool.
0: Yeah. It reminds me a lot of either Sellers of Catan or mm-hmm. Machi Koro or even Monopoly, but like much more complicated.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah. There is a bit of a learning curve. Mm hmm. So it can be a little bit complicated at first, but yeah, but that's okay. I think you would enjoy it because you like risk a lot, right?
0: I do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think,
1: I think this is like this is adjacent to risk. I
0: would mm-hmm. say, cool, neat.
1: Cool. I like it. But while I was playing games, <laughs> you have been using your brain.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell us about this new learning app that you like.
0: Yeah, I don't actually know when this was developed, but I had seen some like recommendations for it on because I like to play apps that have like a specific purpose while still being fun. Like, um, some apps that I really like, I, I'm a big Duolingo fan, as you know, I started on Duolingo Math too, which I am now, Oh, I'm into, I'm opening it up right now. To I see didn't know like, that
1: was a thing.
0: Yeah, I have a 76 day streak on it. So I've not been doing it as long. I'm like 400 some days on Duolingo. Oh, wow. Duolingo Math is just, you can do it to relearn real math in a linear way of like, you know, preschool onward. But I'm doing a little bit more that's just like training your brain to be a little bit more logical because I'm very bad at math. And I think I have Mm. dyscalculia Mm. a little bit. So I'm just kind of like doing logic games on it. But I also there's another app that I like called Peak, which is sort of like Lumosity. And it's deliberately trying to train your brain in better logic, verbal, emotion, multitasking, other like task shifting things and but those are just little games and they feel like games there's like crosswords it's like you don't feel like you're doing training you just feel like you're playing little little app games cool so through through the fact that i do a lot of things like that every day um i got advertised this app called imprint and imprint is in essence what it is is abridged books okay mostly all nonfiction. okay But they organize them into little learning paths. So I'm currently on a learning path called find meaning and joy, which is all about like positive psychology and communication and meditation, mindfulness, you know, just kind of self care, but also good interpersonal relationships, just because I wanted to start out with something kind of warm, fuzzy and, you know, absolutely practical on a daily basis. And just feeling happy and how to like just be content and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's other learning paths on productivity, business, leadership, conflict resolution, decision making, stress reduction, investing in finance, but also things like learning history and general like health and wellness. There's also like various individual books you can read on career success or like you can look up by author. I'm looking at, there's one called How to Talk to Anyone, which would certainly be good. There's another one. There's one I'm looking at on digital minimalism, and I'm not sure what that means. Oh. But basically, like, self-improvement, but also, like, you can learn stuff about, I feel like there's little, like, oh, like, digital training things in various computer languages or, you know, programs and stuff. You can read Sun Tzu's The Art of War and whatever how to reduce anxiety, learning about sleep. But I've through this, I've done full books on the concept of ikigai, which I thought was fascinating. And I never would have sought that book out. And it's basically the fact that in the so called blue zone of the world where people have the greatest longevity, one of the habits of mind that certain communities have developed is this idea of finding your exact purpose and pursuing it. And through other books that I've read in that series, things like flow state, how to induce flow state, and how to know what your purpose is through examining what gives you flow state. And it's kind of like, what is going to make you I, you know, the funny thing is, I used to tell this to students without really knowing what it meant. But it was like, if they were having trouble finding a major, I would be like, what do you work on that makes you not look at the clock? Yeah. And so that's like the flow state inducing that in yourself. And I noticed that when I'm writing, sometimes I don't really look at the clock. So that's a key that that's something that I need to focus on more. Good. But like the fact that if we have that flow state and that sense of purpose, it can help induce greater longevity, because we have a greater ongoing purpose, and we're not stressed because our work is not unfulfilling. So kind of the connectivity between different parts of your life and how to make them more maximized. And I think you could use this as like a little mini the social science part of an MBA if you really wanted to, or you could use it as a coding training school if you really wanted to. But I'm just kind of floating around and looking at stuff. The cool thing is they give you daily quizzes you can take to retain all of the different modules that you've gone through. So it'll be like a cumulative quiz of content from not just the current book that you're reading, but everything you've read up to that point. And the other way that it's really cool is that it is animated and illustrated throughout. So instead of having you read a wall of text, it'll be at most like a little paragraph per page. But then you get little graphics that kind of fly in and illustrate, and you know show either actual graphs and things to do with what you're reading, or just like little uh, visual ways of looking at the concept. And I like that because you know, I I read so much all the time. I'm very busy and very tired and my eyesight is going. And so having like this (laughs) double way of experiencing the content, and I would say that I'm a mixed learner. Like I read well or I learn and retain well with just reading, but also I need to listen sometimes. I sometimes need to see visual visuals. I sometimes need to connect listening with visuals or just kind of whatever. And there's no audio component, but if you Do well with a combination of reading and visual. It's so helpful. And the graphics are really pretty and simple. And yeah, I just think the content is really compelling. And the thing is, I would not be consuming as much non academic, non fiction otherwise. Right. So this is a great way to get me a more books read per year and a really, really tiny bite size like it's three minutes a day, you can just read like a micro chapter a day. So I'm just going through these fairly slowly, but you're still reading more nonfiction books overall than you might ordinarily otherwise. And it's all Mm -hmm. included in the same price. So it's I feel like you're just getting a real massive amount of content for I think it's $60 a year, which is really not bad. And yeah, I I just really enjoy it. And I know that I'm going to probably keep my subscription and I feel like it's a very painless way of getting a lot of really important, interesting content. And I also find this is really interesting and and telling. I'm when I when I have downtime and I just want to pick up my phone and scroll through something, I'm more apt to look at imprint than I am some social media, which I think is a healthier choice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Neat.
0: Yeah. So I find that I'm using it, you know, in little moments of downtime at work, or I'll read a chapter at home, just kind of like, alongside my Duolingo lesson for the day or whatever. Or like, like, if you're multitasking in a way that you don't need to use both hands, like if I'm blow drying my hair or something, I'll pick (laughs) up imprint and just kind of scroll through a little bit. And, you know, feel like I'm maximizing that time that would ordinarily be kind of wasted. So nice. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, And yeah, I don't know exactly how long they've been around, but it feels like it's a little bit new. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of their missions is, on their website, they say, our mission is to make the world's most important knowledge easy to learn, easy to internalize, and easy to apply to your life. And specifically by visualizing these complex insights, they can help you master these topics much more easily. Very cool. And a lot of the people who are on their leadership team, are animators and learning experts and UX designers and stuff. So Mm -hmm. kind of like all of that stuff and social scientists. And so stuff that I really think is important and helps with good learning theory. So it's really working for me. Very cool. Yeah. I'm glad it's working for you. Yeah, it's fun. Does that sound like something you would find useful or not so much?
1: I'm not sure. I'm checking it out a little bit. I did download it while uh-huh. you were talking. Yeah. And it's very pretty. It's very colorful. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I think it would depend on can I find the books that I am interested in and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, yeah,
0: I might play around with it a little bit. And yeah. see how I like it. See how you like it. Cool. Cool. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that some of it, especially with productivity, helps me with my writing productivity. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about what we've been. You released a book recently, right? Tell us a little bit about that. I did. It's my first one in a while. So I was happy to get it out.
1: Yeah. So I have a main epic fantasy series called The Heart Friends, and I just released a novella within the Heart Friends world, and it's called In the Arms of the Restless Sea. Mm-hmm. And it's about a side character that you have met in the main series, but in book one, she was the main character's best friend, and she has gone missing basically mm-hmm. and in t- in book two, she pops up as a pirate <laughs> <laughs> and The reason that happened was we have talked about a little bit about my freshman writing class. We've talked about this offline mm-hmm. and It was on Hamlet, Mm -hmm. and this was the professor who really, likes snakes on a plane. (laughs) The graduate student Mm -hmm. uh, teacher. And he was, like, when Shakespeare didn't know what to do, he brought in pirates. (laughs) 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 Which is how, like, we were reading Hamlet, and he sent Hamlet off, and then he brings Hamlet back because his ship got attacked by pirates or something like that. (laughs) It's been a while since I read it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put a pirate in my second book. And then this novella kind of fills in the gaps of, like, how she went from going missing to becoming a pirate. Okay. (laughs) That's awesome. So it was, yeah, it was really interesting because it was my first real novella. I don't think I've actually ever written one before. Mm. And... Yeah, it was just, it's a different beast than a novel because you got to keep it short and mm-hmm. the plot has to be pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a coming of age story. She's 19 and 20 and she doesn't know what to do with her life mm-hmm. because she has been abducted by bounty hunters and then she escapes. So she's sort of adrift and looking for a purpose and she finds out a little bit about her background about her family and she has this sorry the main character's name is Nessa I didn't I didn't say that Uh, (laughs) but she feels this like pull to toward the ocean Mm. and and water yeah I just I kind of used my own experience with nature a little bit Mm. just that idea of finding peace and comfort in nature and it's almost it can almost be a spiritual experience Mm -hmm. even though it's epic fantasy it is pretty character driven it's pretty it's less plot driven than the main books in the series Mm -hmm. and she sort of finds herself and like she and her her future girlfriend they're not girlfriends in the book they go off on a quest together in the, in the third part of the book. And quests are always fun in epic fantasy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I released the ebook at the end of February, and then the paperback came out a week later. So that is available. It's out in the world. Amazon is the best place to find it right now. But I will be widening the distribution at some point. So yeah, I'm happy that it's out. I'm pretty proud of it. And yeah, it was a different writing experience than writing the main books in the series. So cool. Well, that sounds really fun. Thank you. That's what I've been up to. (laughs) What have you been up to writing wise?
0: Yeah, I have been mostly focusing on a little bit more academic writing, nonfiction, Mm -hmm. although I'm still doing my project where I'm writing two drabbles or pieces of 100 word flash fiction per day, although I'm a little bit behind. Oh, nice. And I'm hoping that over the summer, I get more time to return to more consistent fiction writing. But I've been having to really, really focus on some of these nonfiction projects. And Mm -hmm. a couple of those are a monograph, so a full length academic book. And then I'm also working on an article on the Apple Plus TV show Severance. And I am almost done with that one, even though it's not really due for a while.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, and I know I'm going to need to cut it down because I okay. got a little away from me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I'll probably also need to revise it for the new season because I think the plan for the collection that it's going in is to hold it until season two is done, okay. so that all the contributors can revise based on season two. So I'm kind okay. of like this is like draft zero essentially.
1: Okay,
0: but a couple of little practices that I'm finding helpful. I've been really, and I also have a co-edited collection that I'm doing, but we're not, we don't even have our deadline for contributions yet. So that's kind of on the back burner. But a couple of things that I'm finding really helpful with getting nonfiction academic writing done is it can be really hard to get going and it's very easy to procrastinate. Once I'm in it, I'm in what I mentioned before, a flow state and I feel great and it's wonderful. But I have to get like, I have to really segment my day or my time block and really say I cannot work on other things because I will prioritize them over this. So like when I'm doing my regular job, I will often segment different tasks in 10 minute blocks and I can switch and I'm fine. But if I throw academic writing in there as one of the tasks... I will find any way to skip that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so instead, what I need to do is just say, okay, for these two hours, I'm not doing other day job stuff. I'm not doing other, other little side tasks. I'm only doing this even if I give myself a break after 10 minutes, but I have to go back to that. Mm-hmm. Or rotate between a couple of similar writing projects, but I can't great papers or do you know i can't i don't know what it is but it's like i have to just have it so another thing that i did was i've done these before but i signed up for a virtual boot camp every friday morning for a couple hours and i we are the next cycle of that started yesterday as of this recording and i was only able to attend part of it so a little over one hour but i got 1400 words written wow in about an hour that's That's like five and a half pages yeah yeah and it was something that i had already researched and already outlined and already had some notes on so all i needed to do during that hour was just turn my outline into prose okay so it wasn't from total scratch but it was a it was a part of the book that i've been Putting off because I just didn't like it. And I was so bummed out about it. Oh. And it was dumb. But just like, just saying to myself, all right, I'm not even going to, I didn't listen to music. I didn't have oh, any distractions. Wow. I had total silence. And it was just the Zoom window <laughs> open for the boot camp. And nobody was even talking. Yeah. And it was just like, and the other thing that was helpful though was there was the light peer pressure of mm-hmm. the organizers made us sign on a Google form what do you plan to do today? Oh, and wow. then when you were checking out, you had to say what you did do. Oh, And interesting. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and we didn't even, like I said, we didn't even verbally talk to each other. Yeah. But it was just like seeing all of our names there and knowing and like, oh, my gosh, we've got to. So I like in practice, none of the other participants care what each other gets done. Right, yeah. But knowing that it's going in writing and we are being accountable was just... Like it's just psychological, you know. It is, yeah. And giving yourself permission, saying, you know what, I can afford to not do other things for one or two hours, mm-hmm. because in in reality, it's true. You don't have to be grinding away every single hour, every single day. Right. You can give your spouse yourself permission to work on your side projects.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to do that.
0: It is. It is. There's
1: a like there's an ebb and flow in creativity and not even creativity, but like writing is work. It's fun mm-hmm. a lot of times. Sometimes it's not fun. <laughs> but you put <laughs> but you put a lot of effort into it, and you can't be at a hundred percent output all the time. You need to like mm-hmm. revamp and recharge and rejuvenate. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we forget that we want to like be producing all the time, Mm -hmm. but it's really important, especially for creativity to take periods of rest and periods of rest can include working on something else that, you know, is not under a deadline or Mm -hmm. is just of a different medium, Mm -hmm. which is something that gets you out of your main mindset, I guess.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 But I think one problem I have had this past, like, academic year is if I've got a free afternoon where I don't have meetings, but I do need to get work done, I think I must do stuff for my students Mm -hmm. or things that have quantifiable outcomes. Yeah. And that's not always true. Right. You know, and it's, but it's easier to do that stuff than the hard thinky stuff. (laughs) It is. yeah. So so to to actually make yourself say all right i'm going to get some of that hard thinking stuff done and i'm going to see what i get done and i'm going to keep it on at a short time block that's manageable and won't make me feel exhausted but it's you're shocked then at how much you do get done <laughs> in in just that short time and i after i did that i actually told my students that day hey i got five pages written in an hour because i just sat there and made myself mm-hmm. so like this could be you. <laughs> <laughs> Work harder, kids. No. Well, I mean, just like... <laughs> no, no but, no. but note that I didn't get it. And, and I, I was like, this is going to be revised so much and yeah. it's not how it's going to end up. But you'd be surprised at what you can get done in just 10, 15, 20, 60 minutes, you know? For sure. And if you feel like, ugh, I just don't have it in me today. But you're absolutely right. Work on something else. Have a couple of creative things that you have going so that if you're... Needing to take a break from one, you've got another. But I think I'm going to try harder to get a little bit of some kind of writing done almost every day, even if it's just 10 minutes worth.
1: Awesome. That's a good goal. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. A couple questions. Yeah. What is your severance article actually on? If you can tell us.
0: Well, I, yeah, I'm (laughs) mostly about exploitation of various kinds. Okay. And how much of the exploitation specific to that show is extremely deeply unethical. And even though it's sort of outrageous and we think to ourselves, this couldn't happen in a real workplace at all, it kind of still could, or it's got implications for how we exploit each other socially. And that part is very realistic. Okay. So it's in some ways, it's also about like medical ethics, because the whole setup of that show, if you recall, is about how your brain gets bifurcated into a work identity and a home identity and you essentially create an alternate personality for yourself by yeah. doing this kind of job. And what are the implications for how autonomous are those separate people? Can they be reintegrated so there's like a mental health element and yeah, so it's it's kind of about that.
1: Cool. Yeah. So When you're writing about a TV show, Mm -hmm. what kind of sources do you use for
0: that? I mean, your primary source is the TV show itself. And so, Mm -hmm. one of the things, in addition to having watched the series, is I compiled transcripts of every episode um, into separate documents. There's also a fan wiki that I was referring to a lot for minor plot points that I couldn't recall taking notes there. So, that's kind of the corpus of the primary source. And then my secondary sources are not all about the show because there isn't really a lot published yet, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is about similar shows. So I was looking up a lot of stuff about United States of Terra, which was a Showtime show about a woman with dissociative identity disorder. I was also researching a lot of shows and movies that had to do with a body swap plot. Okay. So like the Freaky Friday plot, but that's been used a lot in other media. Mm-hmm. Because there is this impl- ethical implication of the use of someone else's body by a different mind which is not really realistic to the real world but it does have to do with bodily consent yeah and dissociative identity disorder which used to be called multiple personality disorder in essence you've got distinct individuals inhabiting the same body so there's that uh similarity and there's also the idea of consent of people who are in a state of unconsciousness so i was looking up a lot of things about assault actually and um assault that was facilitated through the use of medication. Mm -hmm. So when you are making someone incapacitated, basically. So on severance, the outer personality is essentially asleep all day when the inner personality is active. So there is this idea of, is that then the person? Mm -hmm. In essence, your, your main self is asleep. And so things done to your body while you're asleep (laughs) There is this kind of quandary about that. Like, yeah. does the the inner personality have the right to modify your body, basically? So,
1: yeah, no, that's very interesting.
0: Yeah. So it cool. was like a lot of social science, a lot of feminist theory, um, a lot of, you know, comparable media. So coming at your subject from the subject matter margins almost when you don't have secondary research about your primary text you've got to come at it from the the sides like that does that yeah. make sense i'm gesturing which of course is not <laughs> useful in an audio like, medium I, cannot see you. <laughs> I know but
1: yeah no no that absolutely makes sense does that make sense yeah and i'm asking these questions because trying to expound for our listeners but also that i'm I'm interested in writing about a TV show. So I was just curious. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Thank you. So especially if it's a TV show that's newer, Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to, you could also though look at the creator's uh, previous work. Okay. Or, or even if you feel like the network or service that it's on is a kind of brand or style, like if it's an HBO show, for example, researching other HBO shows is totally part of what, what somebody would do in my, in my opinion. So if it has that kind of like feel to it or if it's adapted from another source, that would be another another thing. But like looking at comparable shows Mm -hmm. of similar genre, style, theme, etc.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your writing updates. You too. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of in this weird limbo position now that I've Mm -hmm. published that, that I'm I've got A couple projects that I can be working on, and I'm trying just to decide on priorities and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's what's going on for me right now.
0: I feel that.
1: (laughs) So, if you're interested in what we talked about today, you can find Scythe in any board game store. You can find it online. And you can find the Imprint app on your... (laughs) iOS or Play Store or wherever you get your apps is a better way to, yes. to say that.
0: <laughs> I think it's available for, yes, Google Play Store or Apple iOS Store. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. <laughs> and remind us where we can find your new novella.
1: Oh, right. You can find the novella The, the novello? <laughs> We're getting giddy. You can find the novella on Amazon, in Kindle Unlimited, or on Amazon as a paperback.
0: And the next time we're going to be talking about more great pop culture stuff, so be sure to join us in two weeks.
1: Our theme music is by Joseph McDade.
0: You can find our website at positivelypopculture.com, and from there you can find the link to our merch store, as well as our email, positivelypopculture at gmail.com.
1: And please, if you're enjoying the show, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop.